Welcome everyone. Normal adjustment is back. Welcome to season two. Woo! <laughs> I'm very excited to be back. I'm very excited to have you on board and I'm very excited to what's in store. Uh, tons of stories, beautiful inspirational messages and tons to talk about. But before we kick off, I have a couple of announcements and this one makes me extremely excited and a bit emotional because Normal Adjustments has its own webpage. A little labor of love, you can find us now at normaladjustments.com. There you can find a little bio about the podcast, you can find a little bio about myself, you can play the episodes, you can find links to all the streaming platforms, and you can even submit a form if you think you have a friend or a family or know of someone that you think might be interested or that you think should be featured on the podcast. I encourage you to submit a request. Uh, you can also find uh, all the links to our social media platforms, Nicole Fascio on Facebook, Nicole Fascio on Twitter, not that I'm much of a Twitter user, but it's there. And most of all, normal adjustments on Instagram. I just released the Instagram page. There you can find content about the weekly episode. And you can also stay connected with us on and off season. Uh, so I'm very excited with these all new releases to kind of releasing a more formal and robust channel. With that said, I made a little bit of a rookie mistake because I didn't properly introduce my guest for today. So her name is Rachel Hamlin and you can find her on Instagram as rhamlin and her business is Mindset Coach and Healer. So if you're experiencing any burnout or you can relate to anything we talk about in this episode, reach out. She's amazing. I've taken her sessions myself and it was amazing, extremely insightful and it really helped me a lot. So with that said, I'll leave you all to enjoy the episode. But don't forget to subscribe. Please subscribe. Bye. Welcome to Normal Adjustments. Because not all tales are created equal and neither are the people that tell them. Well, welcome everyone to Normal Adjustments. I'm very excited to be here again in this new year and um, with a new season. So welcome everyone. Thanks for listening as per usual. And I'm just going to cut to the chase and introduce my guest for today. Her name is Rachel. Welcome, Rachel. Hello, Nicole. Thank you for having me. Oh my God. Thank you for saying yes. Uh, mm. for helping me open this season and yeah. I am very excited to have you I'm very excited to be talking today of what we're going to talk about the topic is normal adjustments right and it is about normal adjustments and this top podcast was um, born in very I don't want to say challenging but in very changing times in which I just thought that it was more than ever appropriate that the topic I'm so passionate about which is adjustments to kind of like bring it to life now mm. those <laughs> normal adjustments haven't really gone away and I want to talk about humans and behaviors and patterns because that's what we're experiencing on a day to day. We see the news, we um, get stay informed, all of us quite, I feel hyper informed. 
Mm. I don't know if that's a word, but, um, mm. and everything, all of this has an impact on us humans and mm -hmm. our behavior. Um, and I think that was, that's something I really wanted to dissect to kind of introduce this season. And what better way to introduce it than with my friend, Rachel, which herself has a very interesting story and career wise, which I want you to say, and now is a mindset and career coach. And I thought that a person that is seeing people on a day-to-day -day basis, talking about kind of probably their frustrations, what to do next, how to deal with the new situation, or even more so is what they're experiencing, is what they're feeling valid because we're all looking for that validation in a way. So I thought that this was what I wanted to talk about because I've experienced a lot of changes myself um, and I've kind of done things to kind of impulse change. Uh, so yeah, uh, can you tell us a little bit about yourself, Rachel? Fabulous. Yes, I can. <laughs> so um, yeah, adjustments is kind of like a key word in my life. I have made about a dozen of them in yeah. my personal life and my career over the past 10 years or so. And um, so no, do you want to hear a little bit about my background and me personally before we could? Yeah, off? of course. Go ahead. And why I'm doing this, how I got here. So, so yeah, so I call myself a mindset and career coach. Um, I work with people in the realm of their career, but in a holistic sense. And the problem that people most often come to me with is burnout and the sense of being under constant stress, chronically busy, overbooked, and unable to have any semblance of a real life as a result of that. No matter how successful they are on paper or how good they seemingly have it, they're not experiencing that in a way that actually matters to them. Mm -hmm. um, I've been through that a couple of times myself, and that is, of course, what led me to ultimately working with people in this way. But even before I was burned out or overstressed or any of those you know, kind of dull adult things that we tend to encounter a lot these days, um, I was always optimizing things and adjusting a lot. So I ended up um, having about three different careers. And I lived in, as you know, Nicole, four different cities, I think, in my <laughs> 20s. <laughs> four cities. I mean, full time, four cities, two of them abroad and one of them being London, where I met you. Mm. Um, as a taxpaying citizen and all that. And now I'm kind of nomadic. I ended up last year, I was transitioning again. I was deciding I would settle down. I would make a home for myself. I was going to do it in the sun, leave London and go to California. Mm. But first I would have one last hurrah and go to Southeast Asia and do a little bit of digital nomading because <laughs> I had this remote job. And so I was doing that from January of 2020 when you know March of 2020 hits and yeah. this pandemic starts to take off. I'm in Thailand and the decision to stay or go <laughs> confronted me, you know, the pandemic, pandemic takes off. I actually came out of a 10 day meditation retreat where I was totally in silence and without my phone, without any news, without any sense of the world. And when I went into that retreat in the end of February or the beginning of March, I knew that this virus out of Wuhan was a, was a serious problem mm -hmm. for China. And when I left it like two weeks later, almost two weeks later, it had escalated into a pandemic yeah. and it was in Italy and it was in, uh, where else did it go next? It was in South Korea. It was in Italy and South Korea. It was in Amsterdam. It was in all these places. And I had to make that decision to stay or go. 
And from there, you know, like I made a whole lot more adjustments to my plans and to my life than I ever anticipated making. For the yeah. <laughs> well, it's funny because um, I remember thinking one of the first things that when this started hit, hitting, I'm like, oh, Rachel, <laughs> are you going to stay over there? Like the, the level of uncertainty yeah. of everything, but even more so kind of like, like, is everything okay in Thailand? I mean, it's like the it's the narrative then is the same as now. It's like it's the same as everywhere. How's whenever I talk to my friends recently, Mexico, Puerto Rico, wherever it's like, so how's things in Colombia? It's like same as the UK, I feel. <laughs> it's like there's right. no Right, right. It's been like one of the most strangely universal experiences that we've ever had around the world for that reason. Yeah, absolutely. So, so then this last year, it, you say that you've been adjusting a lot. Um, how did that then end up you, you being here? Well, which you are in Mexico right now, right? Yeah, no, I'm in Mexico. Yeah. Um, and you being here and doing this kind of coaching career, uh, what inspired that to kind of kickstart? So that was kind of the, the outcome of one of my burnouts, my second burnout. You know, the first time I experienced burnout was when I was in New York City and I was in a really stressful context, a stressful city, as you know. Mm -hmm. People are always in a hurry, always doing things, always busy and always like striving for like the next level, right? Mm -hmm. And it makes it very hard to appreciate and enjoy your life and what you have. Mm -hmm. So that was the first time I burned out. And I went and I made some changes and I moved cities and I, I went through all this growth and things like that. And the second time I experienced burnout was when I found myself just kind of reliving my life in New York, even though I was no longer in New York. You know, I, I, I realized then that it was actually a matter of misaligned incentives. I didn't have something to be working towards that I really cared about. And so I kind of like had to go on this very like Pollyanna search for, for meaning in my career, which was something that I had never really believed in before, actually, was the idea that you could have purpose or have a meaningful yeah. career. I kind of thought it was like this sort of like fluffy, abstract thing that was a luxury, frankly. Mm -hmm. But the second time I was experiencing burnout was when I was in London. I just had to confront the fact that I didn't care about what I was doing. Mm -hmm. I truly didn't care. And there, it, could there be something that I would care about? And so that was the question that I kind of set out to answer. Could there be something that I could care about that could also make me money? And it turned out that coaching was the answer for that. And well, I've taken a coaching session with you and it was amazing. Um, you're amazing. What I want to dissect there is uh, the, the way that we talked about how to talk about this topic. I wanted mm -hmm. to talk about it in like three dimensions. The first one, which I didn't want to touch that much, but you just described it quite mm -hmm. well. And the, the mm -hmm. literal word that I had that was in terms of the pre times of what we're experiencing mm. now it mm. was burnout yeah how was I consistent I went into kind of like um a little mini research of like words to describe and that one was so consistent and it was mm -hmm. consistent with me I went through burnouts too um mm -hmm. I think I've been through one main one um mm -hmm. but I did want went through one in 2019 as well kind of similar at the mm -hmm. time that you were like experiencing to to move out of London mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. I did put a lot of things in place and I adjusted a lot and I've described that many times in order to be like where I am right now right um mm -hmm. kind of changing things and and 
adjusting things, <laughs> not not to overuse the word, to yeah, to be to be here. Um, mm -hmm. But then this phenomenon happened. Everything that I had kind of gone through, then I started looking at and from afar and seeing so many people going through it. All of a mm -hmm. sudden, there was like a like um <laughs> like a journey in which people went through. It was like shock and like mm -hmm. you know acceptance of like okay this is the mm -hmm. situation and then like an adoption and then kind of like okay I don't hate this. <laughs> um yeah because you yeah. know I saw it I saw it myself at home I I uh had a flatmate Andy which a lot of people listening knows and for him it was quite difficult we expressed this and we talked about this uh in an episode but the interesting mm -hmm. thing was kind of him going through that journey of like panic to enjoyment of actually like going back and thinking mm -hmm. is how did I ever live life in this mm -hmm. other way mm -hmm. uh, but mm -hmm. that is my perception and me talking to other people that are like minded less mm -hmm. me so what I mm -hmm. wanted here to talk about is you are seeing people uh, mm -hmm. on a day-to-day -day basis <laughs> what was mm -hmm. what were those patterns because as that there was a journey there was also kind of some negative impacts in here about right. increase on feeling lonely uh, increase yeah. which you know one of the things I told you that I started to do was to, to read magazines I'm like what is the best yeah. up to date that is not the internet the Cosmo just released an article about how loneliness has increased specifically in a city like London and like huge numbers mm -hmm. like 70% of people say, mm -hmm. say that they feel more lonely mm -hmm. um, uh, and depression and anxiety but then there's also kind of people I don't know if it is the mechanism of people to then react to that or that feeling mm -hmm. because we feel that way because there's a comparison to something else. Mm. Now, kickstarts a set of mm. things about doing things differently. And then that's mm -hmm. how we start seeing kind of like a change of then it's not about burnout anymore. It's about mm. mental health and self-care. Mm. And mindfulness mm. and yoga becomes mm. quite, and now everything is about keep yourself healthy, eat better. Yeah. Yeah. The first thing I want to say about that is just that these, this trend towards self-care has been going on for a minute now, right? You know, it's been exploding, especially over the past couple of years, but ever since yoga was becoming popularized, popularized in mainstream, I think it's been trending upwards and for me, like the main benefit of those practices, the self-care practices, um, the meditation practices, anything that helps you to build a sense of self-awareness ultimately is that they build resilience for difficulty. They build resilience for uncomfortable emotions. That's the whole practice of yoga. And probably a lot of your listeners have done or, or thought about doing yoga. And the whole purpose of that physical practice, the, the exercise of yoga is to prepare yourself to be uncomfortable to deal with discomfort, right? And so people who maybe already had an established self-care practice coming into the situation were on average more able or more ready to address or to confront having so many of their luxuries taken away, so many of their pleasures taken away, 
but also some of their necessities taken away, right? Because social contact is a necessity. That is part of self-care is having community and having people that we love available to us. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and really like the quality of that has, has dwindled as a result of the pandemic. Zoom is not the same as in person. No. Um, and so it's hard for me to generalize, right, around how people have responded because people's resilience varies right. greatly. And I think having already established a self-care practice made certain people a lot more prepared coming into this yeah, to deal with all this space. No, that's a very interesting point. And you said there you categorize the things taken away as like luxuries and necessities. And it was interesting Mm -hmm. that you said there that both of those were taken away. Yeah. I think that I think I observed or my perception, maybe it's mine. It was more, the impact was more around the luxury part which make right. which increases our comfort the the immediateness of stuff like we don't we cannot get it immediate anymore and mm-hmm. i'm talking about across the border like city big cities like the ones you've lived in you can mm-hmm. get things like on the clock like i want uh-huh. to eat whatever i want to eat i can get it on the door mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. but it wasn't not only that it was like on an entertainment level that was quite telling I don't know or or at least for me it was kind of like how dependent we were on all of those things and something I really Mm -hmm. experienced was kind Mm. of a lot of talking about Mm -hmm. habits setting up habits Mm -hmm. and kind of adopting Mm -hmm. habits and routines yeah on the kind of habits that are good for us and that we should have or how we create them both Mm. yeah um So I have maybe an unpopular opinion on that, which is, I think habits and routines work really well for some people, but not everybody. Oh my God. I I say the same thing. I actually, I actually, well, habits are good. It depends on the angle that you're taking them. Yeah. I actually don't like a routine. Yeah. I don't either. I really don't. (laughs) I really, I can't operate on a routine. It makes me very anxious because I feel I have to do the same thing every day. And I'm like, I, I just like to change. I do too. I love variety. I love to explore. I love to just have new inputs coming in. Um, Yeah, variety is the spice of life, right? But it's just, you get beat over the head with that advice. And so one thing that happens is, I think we all probably recognize this by now, but it's hard for us to separate this from what is true for ourselves. We hear things over and over that are good for us, right? And Maybe there are studies that say, yes, having routine helps you to be more productive. This study has proven it, right? These people got another hour of focus in their day because they do morning journaling or whatever. Fine, so be it. You could probably find another study to give you a different outcome if you wanted to run one, right? Like you could find another study to say the same thing, different outcome. Um, But we, we kind of internalize those things to our own detriment without first considering whether it actually works for us or whether it makes us happy. And so I think a lot of people are quick to take on board standard advice, like you need to have a morning routine, you need to journal, you need to do gratitude, you need to uh, meditate, whatever. And if they don't do that because it really doesn't work for them or they're really resistant to it or they don't have the, the right incentive to do it, coming from themselves, for example, rather than Forbes magazine, then, then they're just gonna start to feel shame and guilt around not having the habit. <laughs> And it creates further problems for them than if they just didn't have the habit and didn't care about it. No, it's so true. 
I, like you said, had already developed a lot of like mechanisms for self-care and I know mm -hmm. what works for me already. You know, I, I have quite a strict diet and I, I really conquered that, that challenge of cooking for myself, doing meal prepping. I, I, I put those things in place. Exercise is something that became part of my life and to stay in variations of it. Um, taking time for myself and like I struggle with meditation because I mm -hmm. cannot do meditation like traditional people or like mm -hmm. how textbook meditation is about like um mm -hmm. or what I I personally is very difficult now it's funny because it's kind of like as we recreated the pre times in our homes and put those same pressures on ourselves of like we need to kind of like be masters in seven languages by the end of this because I have mm, so much yeah. free time mm -hmm. and then yes. at the same time most of us are working from home and then it becomes kind yes. of like you're working your mindset of work and then your mindset of mm. self-care and it creates did it create like an exhaustion did it create like a, another burnout but inside yes oh my gosh yes I'm so glad you asked that too, because I actually think, you know, as much as we were burning out from like our modern life of being on the go and running from meeting to meeting and um, always having texts coming in and, and whatnot, like it's almost been heightened actually during the pandemic for the people that I work with. Um, because firstly, firstly, there are no more boundaries between work and home, right? So that's one obvious thing. It's really hard to delineate between when work is on and when work is off. And so people just keep working. Um, and then secondly, like without those um, sort of healthy distractions, the pleasures, the meals out, the, um, the time with friends, right? In person, in the flesh. We, our only escape really is, I would say into books, but realistically it's into the phone. <laughs> it's yeah. into the laptop, it's into devices. That's where we get our escapism exclusively right now. And the internet is so chock full of things like, you know, stock standard advice that doesn't necessarily apply to everyone and just a lot of noise, like generally a lot of noise, mm -hmm. a lot of information, a lot of opinions, a lot of high right reels from people's lives. Um, if you spend enough time on it, also a lot of negative news, right? A lot of fear mongering news. The news cycle is always quite dramatic in that way. And so if you're spending all your time engaging in these kind of distractions rather than the distraction of like a pleasurable meal and a glass of wine with your good friend, right? Having a heart to heart, you're going to start to take on a more negative worldview. Mm -hmm. You're going to start heading into more of those shame spirals where you're like, I'm not doing this perfect morning routine or, um, you know, I am not keeping up my yoga practice or everything is terrible in the world today because I scroll through Twitter. <laughs> and that's literally my only experience of the world is Twitter yeah. right now. And I think it's really heightened the sense of burnout as a result. Yeah, and what has it meant for people? I think it's been hard. Mm -hmm. I think it's been really hard mm -hmm. because there's always a huge difference between knowing what we should do yeah. and feeling capable or ready to do it, mm -hmm. right? And 
again, when we have so little happiness and so little joy, we're almost like lacking the incentives to do the hard work of like creating the meditation practice and creating these things that are hard and in the best of times, really. These are difficult things to adopt, they are. Um, but it's like, you see so little payoff from it at first as well, that it's just, it's, it's hard. And one thing I've noticed is that you know, people are aware of their mental unease right now. They're aware of their heightened anxiety or their boredom or their like low grade depression in a lot of cases. And then they're trying to actually talk themselves out of it. Yeah. Because my people are by and large still employed um, or have work opportunities if they're not currently employed, um, can do the work from home thing. And so they know that they have it good, right? Like there are so many people who have well and truly lost their livelihoods or lost their businesses or suffered health issues. And so most of my people are comparatively well off and they therefore think that they should be grateful Mm -hmm. and that they shouldn't complain and they should just appreciate that they have stability in their lives at all. Mm -hmm. And it's almost acting like, almost acting like a crutch. Mm. Or like an excuse to not make change. Mm -hmm. This thing of like, I should be grateful. I have enough. I'm lucky compared to all these other people. That's exactly what I experienced in the first wave of this. When I say the first wave, it was like from March to kind of towards the end of last year. Um, I had a situation and I had like compare and contrast situation quite heavy in my household because and he was unemployed. He was one from the group yeah. of unemployment. I was employed. I was mm-hmm. making it work, you know, and my, mm-hmm. and the place I was working at didn't acknowledge the pandemic whatsoever. And as a human and for humans, as I am, I was quite upset about that and whatever. And a lot of things started to hit me even more. Um, bad feedback hit me hit me even more kind of like I got self-conscious I got a bad imposter syndrome um and I I I I cried at least once a week because of work and I I like literally like sobbing because I was so frustrated or annoyed Mm -hmm. and I would probably complain to Andy but Andy was in this Mm -hmm. other situation and then I would be like fuck like I shouldn't be complaining. So exactly what you described was my experience. And I'm like, I have it better. I have to be grateful because everything else. And it was funny because recently I heard this and I don't know if it's been going on for more time. I don't know. I usually, Mm -hmm. I'm usually an early adopter, but this term of like toxic positivity. And I think that a lot of people experienced it maybe last year or maybe positivity got, got a bad, bad rep <laughs> even though I always mm-hmm. think I'm, I'm a positive person I think it's still an amazing thing to kind of like achieve but I can't understand why it can get a bad rep when it va- invalidates your feelings yes because I was not feeling like I wanted to work every day but I had to and I had to like wake up open my eyes and just like roll out of bed and you know I I still at the moment of getting adjusted to it I, I was really struggling with it and I did experience that kind of toughness to be grateful yes um there was also kind of like something 
I experienced, which at the beginning I was like, oh, the good thing about these times is that there's no FOMO. <laughs> but no, you know, too. yeah, but it, it wasn't true at all because then you had FOMO about mm. whatever other people were achieving during the pandemic. And so I kind of like struggle with that as well. And like, like I think I ate too much or cooked too much, um, kind of like overcompensating to what was happening. Like, did mm. ha- like did a lot of people felt that mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. from from yeah. what you could see, like at work from like working from home? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that internal pressure to like just keep up. And to just like soldier on and to just, um, I don't know about not face the problems, but make the most of it all, right? Mm-hmm. There was definitely a pressure to, and, I, and I, I'm an advocate for this as well. The idea of um, using this time because there is the silver lining. It is rare and unique to get this kind of downtime for introspection, for planning, you know, the next stage in your career or figuring out if you want to pivot, right? Like it has been luxurious in certain ways. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just also been difficult to fully appreciate those opportunities and make good on them because we don't feel good. Mm-hmm. Again, going back to all of our pleasures and sometimes necessities being deprived. So it was almost like it was just too far from one extreme to another. Yeah, no, yeah. no, that's what I think that's the correct verbalization is like the, the extreme, one extreme to another. Because right. if you little by little baby steps take me there, now yeah. I you took me to the river. I'm actually drinking that water. I'm actually enjoying the time for myself. The UK just announced they're going to open. And today, yesterday, or yeah, today we so were great. talking in the meeting, in the, my first meeting of the day, it's like, oh, so good news yesterday. And somebody said, now I kind of regret that I've just been watching television. Right. <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. This was, um, I wrote it and I wrote about that in my newsletter. And I said, it's kind of like when you're like on vacation or traveling somewhere and you're getting to the end of the trip. And then suddenly you realize like how much you haven't done that you wanted to do or places that you wanted to see or go to. And suddenly you have this like huge push to fit it all in. Anytime there's an ending or a deadline, you start to appreciate the thing you had. Yeah. And so now is your window. Exactly. It's like when you live in a city like New York, for example, and you've never been to the Empire State and it's like, Oh my God, I'm moving next week. And I have never seen yeah. I never went. No way. <laughs> but yes. oh I never went to okay. the, to the um, um, Lady Liberty. Yeah, me neither actually. There's a lot I missed. Yeah, totally. Um, so what recommendations did you give to people when kind of going through those times? Yeah. In, in terms well, of... First- of how can people relate or kind of even if they're still going through that what things could could help yeah 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 yeah. first and foremost is just like the idea of um giving yourself permission to feel the way you feel yeah. right and to really lean into that rather than denying it because I think that's when we get into the most trouble is when we try to stuff or deny our emotions right they always taught us in elementary school I remember there being like a module on this like if you have anger and you keep it inside and you don't tell someone you're like a bottle of cola being shaken up and when you open the top it explodes right it's really the same thing for any neg- any negative feeling that you keep inside of you and um, it's okay to feel upset right you have permission to be upset and so that's something that people can take on board or not to varying degrees, but it certainly helps them to have 
someone across from them telling them that. <laughs> so I try to tell my clients that as much as possible. And I'm telling all of your listeners that they can have permission to feel however they needed to feel mm -hmm. from now until from, you know, from the beginning of the pandemic until today, it's totally okay. It's totally okay. It's totally okay. Even now, if you don't feel like making the most of this last few months of it, right. Even if you feel like you just want to like lay down on your couch and wait for this thing to pass, that's totally fine as well. Take the pressure off. Um, the next advice I have is really connected to shifting into the positive state, right? Because one thing I've kind of been dancing around here is the idea that we can't, we can't really create great results in our life unless we feel up for it, right? And it's so much more than logic that we're dealing with when it comes to creating change or creating results. It doesn't matter if we know what needs to be done or we have like eight different strategies for doing it. What matters more is like how we feel about it. Mm -hmm. and the level of energy and intention that we're able to bring to something. Mm -hmm. And one of the most demotivating or difficult feelings to work against is depression, mm. is sadness, because it's heavy and it weighs you down, right? Like if you have anger, it gives you this like sense of like, it gives you a rush of energy. It gives you passion, yeah. Yeah. right? You can kind of channel that. If you have fear, that's actually like a hugely powerful feeling that you just need to break through. And once you do break through fear, you feel absolutely amazing on the other side of it. And you're like super powered because of that. But when you're feeling depressed and feeling sad and feeling lethargic and feeling heavy, you're dealing with like an absence of energy. Yeah. And, and so to reconnect to the feeling of hopefulness, of possibility, of potential, right, of good things, period, non-sadness, <laughs> maybe happiness, yeah. you need to, like, work your way up the ladder, mm. like, a gradient, like, you don't need to go overnight from feeling pretty blah and lackluster and depressed and, like, glued to your couch to, like, well, I'm, like, ready to take on the world, and, like, I'm going to start going for, like, 5Ks again every morning, and I'm going to adopt all these healthy self-care habits and whatever, you just need to go to, like, the next step on the ladder, like the next step in the gradient, right? Where maybe you just sit with yourself and you try to imagine feeling a little better. You try to imagine like that interim step, which is not, you know, landing your dream job and, you know, being out with friends every night and having this social life that you've been meaning to build for the past year before COVID. It's just like maybe a visual of yourself sitting in a garden and just sitting in the sun and drinking a glass of wine and not wearing a mask, right? <laughs> But wearing a mask just kind of like that'd be amazing <laughs> right well we probably will be wearing a mask for a long time yeah. but outside I don't know but it's like just try to feel into like an achievable good feeling something that doesn't feel quite so far away mm -hmm. and it's an it's something that you train because I think yes. maybe this is the correct place to say it but I went through a very tough time at the beginning of the year mm -hmm. um I the, the the last tale of last year I was experiencing lack of motivation mm -hmm. now in order for me to get over that I did some of what you're saying kind of like little by little sometimes my task would be if I wanted to write my CV it would be just like finish the skills today it was mm -hmm. not like finish my CV because that felt quite overwhelming now, where I got my ass kicked was when I made all these decisions based on this 
kind of in reality I was living in that moment um kind of things looking up a little bit or the maybe I fooled myself and it was the thought because there was a new year like everybody thought that everything was going to go away mm. and I made those I made decisions to kind of like move in by myself spend more money in a flat and just to set up a space because space had become so important which is something that mm-hmm. one of the things I noticed was how important my surroundings became like I mm. I was living very minimal I I didn't really own that much except my clothes and like my things ever since I lived in uh, moved to London I didn't really buy or obtain mm-hmm. too many things yeah um mm-hmm. But that I did notice that I needed more time because my brain needed more, not more time, sorry, more space because my brain needed more space. I needed a space that yeah. I could relate mm. to work and I then a space I could relate to decompress and a space that I could relate to sleeping because mm-hmm. I was having bad sleeping problems. I was not sleeping at all. Mm. I was, my sleep was totally broken. Um, I was sleeping mm. maybe consecutively like three hours uh, a night and then like breaking, mm. having mm. to watch something and then coming back to sleep and so I was going through all that mm. and comes January, come like end of December and just the first two days of January and things in the UK were not looking up. Like everything was yeah. worse than Weak. it had ever been. Then they announced a lockdown in which they didn't know when we were going to go back. Literally still in it, uh, two months late in, but it every decision I had made became kind of like I was doubting it all completely I was just second doubting everything every decision every like it was like every decision I made was that reality kind of like still gonna like what am I gonna do like it really challenged me um Mm -hmm. in a way that I haven't been challenged in a long time because before I was kind of like challenging either catastrophic um thoughts etc because I was Mm -hmm. kind of there was maybe a health care health scare or Mm -hmm. um kind of accepting myself it was different and I decided Mm -hmm. how to create that positive mindset (laughs) to kind of create a create a plan um I established Mm -hmm. goals and I created a a routine Mm -hmm. it wasn't a routine it was things I wanted to achieve on a day-to-day basis and I literally put a plan together into like, it was minimal things. It was, I have to go out for a walk at least 30 minutes. That was yeah. easily achievable. Mm-hmm. I'm like, in that walk, I need to take a picture and that's my accountability. And I, and then I did it and mm-hmm. I used actually Instagram for that accountability. It's like, look at this mm-hmm. mural, look at this graffiti. Yeah. yeah. And I literally did those things in which kind of like, it, it put my mindset in achieving those goals rather than thinking mm. of like right. what I was putting my my mind yeah. before um mm. and to be honest it worked wonders because I was kind of keeping myself accountable because I needed to achieve it um I actually put it on Instagram on purpose I'm not usually that person like I advocate for lymphedema I don't really talk about myself other than that and yeah. it I'm saying this because it kind of relates to the advice you were giving um, mm-hmm. yes. because it it gave me such insight into how the brain works when you're really focusing on other stuff. It just literally, I just have to turn my brain from that horrible thought and focus it on something else. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. I really like that you're talking about making it achievable as well. Like a couple of times you said that it wasn't, it wasn't only the goal, it was all the goals you set. It was the goals that you had for like your self-care, right? You were like, I'm gonna go for a walk, 30 minutes, that's doable. And I'm gonna take a photo so that I'm accountable for it. And that makes it easier. And it was also like your work stuff. You said something about how, you know, instead of saying, okay, well, I have to make this whole plan or do this, this, and this thing, I'm going to just do the first step of it, right? It's like breaking things down into the smallest and easiest parts so that we can actually approach them, right? And there's a lot of um, good writing around this um, on the idea of like small habits and tiny habits. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you've heard of BJ Fogg, the researcher based out of Stanford, he does this whole, his, his whole study, his whole practice and his book now um, is about tiny habits and the idea of making things as small and discreet and achievable as possible so that we can actually do them and then build the bigger and more meaningful habits. And it sounds like that's exactly what you're describing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it, that's basically what I did. And my goals were more like, for example, one of the things I want to get better is bandaging myself. So I didn't say I have to bandage every day because I knew I was not going right. to do it. I said like right. at least three times a day, a week. So no, that, that I, so that it felt that, and, and then I kept a little calendar and then I saw the, the colors and I'm like, oh, I like achieved it. It actually motivated me to do it. Okay, no, not three, next week I'm going to try four. If I don't yeah. achieve it, it's fine, but I signed up myself for three. Um, other stuff yeah. that I wrote in there was like, um, it was funny because I asked people on Instagram and everybody's like, read, I was six weeks originally of lockdown. It's like, read a, a book a week. And I'm like, oh my God, my worst habit right. besides sleeping <laughs> is my reading. So I'm not gonna, <laughs> I have to read on a day-to-day basis. I'm not going to read six books, but I said, okay, at least two books. And I did. So like I finished one and I finished and I started and finished another. And I'm like, okay, look, I was able to achieve that. Um, so I am proud of myself that I was able to get through that through that period because it was quite hard. The other thing that I kind of like was insightful. And I think a lot of people struggle with and struggle even more so during this time is about the getting, um, releasing control. And mm. that is something that has tested me a lot in the last year. But mm. it was something about a mm. moment it, I was kind of, freaking out and it was kind of consuming me um that was um preventing me to seeing the good of the things that was happening around me um that I was kind of focusing on only one thing and it's the fact that I don't have my kind of what what people call the green card in the United States but it's my resident card just because it's my fault I lost it and I had to request one in COVID of course I still don't have it I was literally focusing everything on that because of course I felt stuck um, mm-hmm. but everything, everything, it doesn't matter what I was just focusing on that thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it, it was one day in which I got a, a, a message saying that I was, that it went back to the office that actually generates this card because mm. they had spent 30 days in the, in with the people that were meant to deliver it to me and mm. it just went back and I just something mm. about that message was like I just started laughing it was like this is just ridiculous it to an extent it's like what, what am I gonna do like just like go go there and like or send a pigeon I don't know what I need to do like to <laughs> to go get it it was just yeah I just decided to kind of like you know what what will be even though I do live by the fact that like what needs to happen will happen 
something about that it was just like whatever mm. like pushing this or thinking about it is not going to bring it f- faster right so I yeah. really kind of release control in a way that it's it's been so liberating that's like a lifelong practice honestly <laughs> the idea of releasing control Has especially it- to like things like that specific outcomes that you need or want to happen like there's a couple of themes that I'm hearing in what you're speaking to right um one of them is not being able to control your situation with the resident card. And that is like really well and truly beyond your control. It's bureaucracy, it's the government, and it also has a huge effect on your life. And there's a definite parallel there between what we've all collectively experienced with being locked up in our homes for 11 months on end, right? It's, it's um, beyond our control and it has a huge effect on us. I don't know if it's the loss of control that affects people as much as it is the loss of opportunity mm-hmm. and the loss of time and the loss of yeah. all the things that they sense they could be doing mm-hmm. if it weren't for this one giant factor. And for you, that would be like the loss of travel, the loss of being able to leave Britain. But fortunately, that's not really something on your agenda right now because no. of all this. Yeah. Not as much, at least. It is an accurate parallel. Have people talked about how do they feel about digital and digital exhaustion? Yeah, yeah. I think that um, it's the same. It ties really into the burnout thing, right? And the lack of boundaries between work and home. Um, we were we were exhausted by our digital mm-hmm. like devices before this, right? Wouldn't you agree? Absolutely. Um, I think I I live in this kind of like extreme bittersweet. Yeah, feeling with it because thanks to it, a lot of things are possible. Exactly. Right. Um, I mean, I have a job because of it because that's everything I do, <laughs> literally. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. But the inability to disconnect sometimes, like that, our thought process just yeah. immediately now depends on it. Like. Yeah. That. Yeah. That I, I struggle with. Yeah. And I think like my screen time must be just off the charts. I refuse to look at it. Um, (laughs) But like I can use myself as an example there. I've also had to, going back to the idea of giving yourself permission, I've given myself a good amount of permission to not worry about that so much. Mm -hmm. You know, on the one hand, I think it's really unhealthy and that the blurred boundaries and constantly being on email and constantly being on the computer is obviously unhealthy. Yeah. And we need to use our willpower to create boundaries. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, I'm negotiating against all of the different circumstances that are hard in life right now. Right. And so if escaping into my device, like first thing in the morning and numbing out a little bit, rather than doing my morning routine or my journaling exercise or whatever feels easier and feels like a lighter way to enter my day and like tolerate everything that's on my agenda in this context, then so be it you know? And so I'm someone who's always had strong digital boundaries or recently had strong digital boundaries. And I've kind of relaxed them intentionally Mm -hmm. because it's just like, you know, you need, you need something, right. And it's not a healthy habit. It's not making me better. It's not making me happy, but it's making other things less hard. Yeah. But it's not making it worse either. um, Unless the moment it is, but it's, it's not, I, and I agree with that. Mm -hmm. I think the whole permission, giving yourself permission and allowing things Yes. It's just to to wait a list, to be honest, and let's let, yes. let's be less hard on ourselves. And I've always said that, like, 
be less hard on yourself because we give ourselves so much shit sometimes it's like what did I have another glass of wine or what did I and it's like just because you wanted it it was interesting because I was yeah I was listening to a podcast um about the seasons of life and how humans also have seasons and whenever you feel you cannot achieve your goals it might be because your goals are, are out of sync with your season Mm. and that season of life and it's quite I it was very powerful because it was quite in that moment in which I was like my goals were not aligning at all this was before me setting my new goals were not aligning at all my previous goals probably from my previous season through the way I was feeling it 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 was completely overwhelming and setting goals to be for them to be overwhelming it's not the way to go because it's not meant to be a job right (laughs) if not it's a separate job totally I think this is um it ties back to two things we were talking about. It ties back to um, one, control, right? I think a lot of times the reason that we um, stick to goals that are out of season is because there's like a control mechanism at play where, um, you know, we've attached onto something and so we want to get it done. Like we want to see it through and we've kind of identified ourselves fully with the goal and we can't let it go. I think the other thing it ties to, interestingly, is the idea of routine, right? Like you and I were talking about daily routine and self-care and that becoming kind of a burden to some people if they can't do it in the way that they're supposed to. And it's really about like having to check even on a moment to moment basis, what's in season for you, right? Because mm-hmm. like our needs change like the weather, like throughout the day, like we have different needs and different things that will work for us each week we'll have different things that will work for us each month, each season, actual season. Right. And so like actually taking some time to figure out what that is for you and renewing your goals or renewing your self-care habits is something you should feel liberty to do at any time. Yeah. At any time, if they're not working for you. Now, mm-hmm. now we talk about a year, mm-hmm. <laughs> right. Which I think it brings us to the next phase of this mm-hmm. is it's been a year. Yeah. Um, how has that impacted people? Because at the beginning, we were talking about three months, four months, and then it's a year. It's going to be a year. In some places, it's already been a year. And some places, it's going to be like in two to three weeks. Yeah. I think that um, it's one of those things where humans are insanely adaptable, Mm. right? And it, it takes us some time. And we spoke about this at first, everyone was like, well, we're going to like dive into this. We're going to be doing Zoom fitness classes and Instagram workouts and whatever and Zoom happy hours and just making it work. And then there was like the cycle of fatigue and despair. And then there was like the up cycle where we kind of like went out again in the summer. And then there was a cycle into despair again. It's just been cyclical, like the way that people have felt up and down, up and down, I think to a degree, Mm -hmm. but ultimately we're adaptable and we're at a point now where we're kind of used to this. We're totally bored of it and we totally hate it. So we're now used to the feeling of being sort of bored, sort of depressed and sort of unhappy. And that's affecting people because they're starting to identify with that feeling. They're starting to take that on as normal, Mm, right? And to find it hard to connect to, again, the good, the potential, like what's going to come next, what they can still create in their life. It just feels so far away because we have been in this place for a year now. Interesting. Because that's what kind of my brain goes next is, 
mm-hmm. how kind of I don't know putting my predicting hat which I can't but I, I would love to yeah. Kind of, yeah as a fan of behavior it kind of makes me think that there's going to be a huge wave of real change once we we gain back some of those luxuries mm. that mm. self like the 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 people contact I think it's a separate topic but we've already lived in discomfort for a long time we've attributed the discomfort to COVID I think that people will get more insight of what really that discomfort is attributed for therefore a lot of people have saved a lot of money because they're not spending the same Mm -hmm. a lot of people um have kind of stayed waiting for next and then what's next just opening the doors of the world it doesn't look like different so I think my prediction is that there's going to be a lot of people just taking sabbaticals Mm -hmm. or just kind of tapping into what their passions was if they didn't start them during the pandemic and kind of kick-starting a lot of kind of a second life or a second lease of life or something like that. Yes. Yes. I hope so. Um, I have been hearing that interest from people, number of people in my world and my clients are like just needing time off, right. Just needing to reevaluate and needing to step away from it entirely, like not having the capacity to continue working or go any further because we've been dealing with so much of this stress for so long. Um, They need to reconnect themselves. I think that that is definitely possible. I kind of think that and would be good and would be an amazing opportunity for the people who have the courage to act on it. Mm-hmm. My fear is that, you know, like I said, we're adaptable. And my fear is that the moment things open up again and the pub is open and you can go out of your house and see friends and go back to work even, we're going to forget this, mm-hmm. right? Like we're never going to forget it. Obviously it's going in the history books, but in a felt sense, it might be as if, you know, that was years ago, right? Like, look at how quickly we, we feel distanced from like our last vacation <laughs> or, you know, something important that happened to us a couple months ago. It's like, that felt like eons ago. And this whole feeling, this whole year could very easily feel that way as well. And people could totally just snap back into what they were doing before, right? It's like, we had a glimpse of mm-hmm. something else. Like maybe there's something else for me. Maybe I need to try this. Maybe I need to make this structural change. But as soon as we get all those like creature comforts back, mm-hmm. it will be easy for us to deny that again and to ignore it and to suppress it. Because do you think there was a, a lot of resistance to change so far? I think there's always resistance to change. I think that is human nature. <laughs> you said like you hated the the word new normal, which I do as well. <laughs> and I hate that. Yeah. Um, uh, but you had like, like a good insight about like I hate that because that is compared and construct with old normal and it's just tapping yeah. into what you were saying kind of you your mm-hmm. fear is that people just go back to it and yeah, forget about totally. it totally totally no yeah no totally that's one of like the big you know that was one of the the insights that came out pretty quickly when the pandemic started people started publishing essays and thought pieces around how we won't go back to normal mm-hmm. and this is a really like huge shift and we need to be aware of the gravity of this moment and a year later we're all pretty aware 
you know, that was, that insight was coming out back when we thought this pandemic would last weeks to months. People were like, no, no, we're calling this now. There's no new normal. But in reality, like we're going to adjust. There's going to be another normal, like we're in a state of normal right now, normal yeah. mm-hmm. whatever that means. It's just like, we always are adjusting. And, and to begin with, there's never really like any one definition of normal. And I like to think that's a theme of your podcast, right? Mm-hmm. It's like, we shouldn't all subscribe to like one idea of normal. It's not, it's not good for us. We're different. But, um, but yeah, I, I do. I think that like, there will be a new normal and there is a normal now and there will be another new normal after that. And we'll continue to evolve. And that's, yeah. that's what we do. Well, yeah, and, and you say you say it several times here. Um, we talked about it, and I say it a lot, is that one of the most beautiful things about the human being is um, its ability to be resilient. I, I, I keep saying it. I've seen it, how people have come together in communities, how people have come together and kind of and changed around, like around me, everything is closed right now, but kind of places just decided yeah, yeah, to kind yeah. of morph and they became shops or coffee shops and you have things to do. And, and now I, you know, for me, I got used to things that make me happy that were not the same that used to make me happy. But the the being inside, it's an, an interesting thing because, and the reason I want to talk about this because you talked about the uh, concept of boundaries. Not How did affective people, <laughs> yeah, not to have them. Um, you know, it's interesting. I worked remotely for two years or something before the pandemic started. And so I had experienced this before everyone else did or before, you know, the whole population had the whole um, digital, you know, working population had, right? Some people still don't work online. Um, <clears throat> and what you really find is that time we have a different sense of time when we don't change our location somehow. Like there's really something about waking up in the morning and not having to commute, mm-hmm. not having to necessarily brush your teeth or change your clothes or like make yourself presentable really more than Zoom can do for you. Um, and being able to quite literally sleep in, make a breakfast maybe, roll from your bed to your laptop at your desk next to your bed and just show up like in the like laziest form possible um not that everybody's been lazy about this of course but it just it just creates this sense of blurriness Mm -hmm. and it creates um a lack of healthy pressure Mm -hmm. a a lack of healthy ways to break up our day right like when you had to commute you had to get up you had to be on the tube at a certain hour to beat the crowd you had to get your coffee first or after or whatever you pencil that in right and you could do like dry cleaning pickup you could do a workout you could do so much more with your morning when you had somewhere to be it's actually the idea of like having that healthy deadline again as well mm-hmm. the idea of like when something is coming to an end or something is ahead of you you got to get all the stuff done and so without that like we can kind of just feel time passing very quickly and we can also really easily get sucked in to immediately going online because that's the main event of the day. And a further driver of this is the fact that you're not showing face in the office. Mm-hmm. So for people who want to be good performers and good workers or good you know, colleagues, they feel the need to be available in a way that they can't do um, as they normally would. Mm-hmm. And so not only is there like a lack of like time, like structure to our time, there's the need to show up online so that people trust that you're available, so that you're communicating your reliability at a much higher degree than we would ever do if we were showing up at the office from nine to five. Doesn't make sense, but that's how people feel. Mm-hmm. 
No, and it, it goes back to what we were saying of then the digital kind of exhaustion, uh, for which reason I decided to adopt like different hobbies. One of the things in my goals to set, it was like to adopt a new hobby. So I think now I have an overload of, <laughs> of like other hobbies. So I started paint by numbers. Yeah. I started, um, that one is actually addicting. It's amazing. It's just like you literally zone out. It's amazing. Uh, I recommend it to everyone, paint by numbers. Um, and I started kind of like embroidery. Uh, that one I haven't got that good at, but that's, it's, it's a work in progress. Um, and I decided to do a second season of the podcast. <laughs> Yay. Um, <laughs> a good choice. Thank you. Well, thank you, Rachel. This has been an amazing conversation and it's everything I wanted to kind of kickstart this new season. Um, before I close, I do want to ask you, what have you learned? Mm, through this whole experience? Um, yeah, that's a really good question because I'm engaged in like a continual process of learning mm -hmm. <laughs> as a coach and a a healer, right? Like my bread and butter is learning, especially about myself so that I can then like carry that to others right, in some way or make that applicable for others. And um, in my personal life, I've learned that I'm trying to come up with like one key insight I could give you, but I've learned so many things over the past Go ahead. months. I've learned that I didn't want what I thought I wanted mm -hmm. um I've learned that I didn't want what I thought I wanted or that I could be happy with so many different variations of that yeah and that has just come about from having to like refactor my future as a result of not being able to make the move I'd intended to make for a number of reasons COVID being one of them and I've learned that um that's okay yeah <laughs> I felt that maybe I felt that again I have permission to do that, to change what I wanted. And maybe what I want is not what society expects. That's the other key to that for me. Absolutely. I I think that if I answer that myself would be um, similar on that last point. I, I think I became even at more comfortable with my idea of life, my challenges. Yes, I love that. Uh, my the 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 way I've had challenged life and I had put like this life according to Nicole and I doubted it a long time because of I was like oh my god you know it's a bit risky when I say risky not because it's really risky it's just because it mm -hmm. doesn't conform to normality yes but I became very comfortable with that um for some reason I think it was sitting in it so much and like living it so much and I also kind of surprised myself even more so recently. I think I doubt my resilience a lot. I don't know why I've gone through many changes my whole life, but I doubt it a lot. I think it's like, this is going to be the last one time I'm going to be able to hold it. This is going to be the last time. And I kind of, I saw it, how I kickstarted changes kind of like, and, and put those in practice. Um, mm -hmm. So, so it, it did surprise me a lot um, mm. that I was 
able to conquer something I was very afraid of, which was kind of like living by myself and being by myself. I remember telling Andy just before November, kind of like the worst thing that could happen is for a lockdown to hit me in the winter. I think I'll lose my mind. I said that and it happened and I didn't lose my mind. So I need to remind myself or like write it and post it somewhere. So when I forget about it later, like you say. <laughs> yeah, that's amazing. I, so, it's so funny to hear you say that because I think of you, you are someone who has clearly done like the work on yourself and yeah. you have that self-awareness and that resilience and that positivity. But I know how much of it for you comes from being able to see your people as well. It's, so Absolutely. I think, okay, so if I can add one to the list as well, the fact that I thought all my energy came from people Mm -hmm. it surprised Mm -hmm. me because I I still see people um but it's Mm -hmm. very reduced Uh, of course it's once a week um I mean I see people on Zoom every day but um (laughs) it's very very kind of minimized so it yeah I mean I think the 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 lesson of the story is that you can surprise yourself with a lot of stuff um So maybe that is the topic here. It's like (laughs) surprises, right? Yeah, yeah. good surprises. Surprises that um, may enlighten you. (laughs) Absolutely, yeah. Well, thank you so much. This was amazing. I have to do this again, but with a different topic. No pandemic topics here. Different topics. Let's talk about (laughs) being single. Being single in the pandemic is a good one. I love that one. I've had a good time with that. (laughs) Yeah, same. Oh my God. Well, thank you so much, Rachel. Um, <laughs>